Welcome to Cashflow Assets Podcast, where we share the stories, tips, and techniques to get you out of the rat race and into cash flow abundance. Here's your host, Robert Slattery. Welcome to Cashflow Assets. I am your host, Robert Slattery, and we are here to talk about ways to build passive income the right way, building it out over time, and allowing you to live the life you want to live. Now, one of the biggest questions I am asked regularly is what are the tax ramifications of buying investment properties or buying different types of cash flowing assets? And I get to answer every single one of those with, well, I'm not your CPA, uh, but this is based on my experience. Well, for you listening to us right now, I have a very special guest. His name is Romeo Clark, and he is a tax expert and a CPA. Romeo, welcome to the show. Robert, thank you so much. It's great to be here and I'm excited to hear what you're doing for your clients. So happy to bring some knowledge from the, the CPA world to this discussion and hopefully can enlighten your audience. The nice thing about uh, Romeo is unlike many bean counters, he actually has a personality. And so we've had a lot of fun collaborating as, as we've gotten to know each other. And so Romeo, I'm going to kind of treat this as a uh, ask the CPA type session and, sure. and, and let's, let's just dig into it. We met in an elevator. Tell me what it is you do. Sure. So I help real estate professionals and small business owners find ways in their personal lives and their entities and assets to save up to $30,000 on their taxes every year while building their dream life. Okay. How do you say $30,000? How can you, can you kind of put that in a box for me? Help me understand that. Yeah, definitely. So that's based on experience of clients we've had come through our, our pipeline. Okay. Clients that we've worked with in, in the real estate realm, clients we've worked with that has entities that, that such as S Corporation that they operating. Typically, our clients are anywhere from startups to $5 million in revenue. So with those type of clients, you know, when we look at the, the strategies that they typically don't know about and what we implement with them, we can probably save them anywhere from then up to $30,000. And if you have more, then uh, it goes up from there. Fantastic. Okay, cool. I've, I've typically, my experience has been that the CPAs or, or bean counters will shy away from numbers. And it, I, I like that you throw out, well, 17,000 on up to maybe 30,000 a year is about what we save people. I love that. I just, yeah, yeah. it gives people some <laughs> benchmarks. That's exactly. great. That's great. Who is your ideal client? Great question. So my ideal client is someone who is passionate about building wealth and they want to find a way out of the rat race. Okay. So they're interested in being an active investors because to be honest, the tax codes, the tax code is made for active investors to take advantage of some of the you know, the places in the codes where they can save a lot in taxes. At the end of the day, the tax code is, is made up of incentives. 
the, the government incentivized people to act in certain ways. And that's why the new administration every four years or so will try to change the code because they have a new agenda. Right. So with that, you know, as professionals, we want to tell our clients, okay, this is what you need to do. This is the road you need to go down to take advantage of this. It will provide you more money in your pockets while saving you a massive amount on taxes. Awesome. Okay. So our typical client is 35 to 50 years old, typically making about a hundred to $400,000 a year combined household income. They are typically mid-career white collar. I do have several blue collar clients, but folks who work for a living and who typically work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, usually married with traditional family values. Not always. We've found a huge demand in the divorcee market who are trying to rebuild and, and get stable. Every one of these people that we work with wants to regain control of their time. And they want to do that by building cash flowing assets that will, over the long term, replace their need for a regular income. So given that information, if you were to start consulting with somebody about, let's say, let's say somebody's got $200,000 that they are ready to invest and they want to build a, a portfolio of my, my bailiwick, my superpower is dealing with small multifamily properties. So two to four unit properties. And I bring them to you and I say, this is Mr. Smith or this is Mrs. Jones, and they are going to be putting $150,000 down on a $500,000 property. And that property is going to produce $4,000 a month in gross cash flow. They're looking at bringing in this net cash flow, let's say $1,500 a month in, in passive income. And they want to make sure that they are checking off all the boxes. What do you need to know? What, what would you advise them? How would this go? Yeah. So the, 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 the great thing about what you just said, Robert, is you, you threw a bunch of numbers, right? Which is good because as CPAs, we, we want to see numbers. And when I work with my clients, I actually quantify things because, you know, it's good if I come on here and I'm talking about a bunch of things, but, you know, and I don't, you know, put an actual quantifiable plan in front of you, you're, you know, you're going to just go and put, do whatever you want. So what we do with our clients is we, you know, with the numbers you provide, how much income you expect to make in that property, what are the, the, the expenses associated with running that property, and then the cash flow that you expect. Okay. So then we say, okay, this is your cash flow that you get today, but there is more. How about the depreciation on that property? that you calculate typically at the end of the year when tax time comes, right? And the interesting thing about depreciation is, Robert, it, it gives off a, a loss on a lot of real estate holdings, okay? So although on paper, you may cash flow $10,000, what if you, know, you, you have depreciation of, let's say 15 grand on that property? You have $5,000 loss that you're going to report on your tax return, but you have 10 grand in your pockets. Okay. That's the the best of both worlds right there. Exactly. The benefit of that $5,000 is, you know, what if you could take that $5,000 and reduce other income from other sources? Wouldn't that be great? Right. So you not only kept your cash flow in your pockets, but you have an opportunity to use that $5,000 to reduce that other ordinary income from others' sources. 
Great. We we actually teach that we we quantify our returns based on cash flow. We do look at appreciation. We factor for depreciation and we take into account debt reduction as well on a typically a 30-year amortized schedule. And so I like that you're talking about depreciation because when we explain it to folks, we say, look, the practical impact of depreciation is it typically negates any tax obligation from the positive cash flow. So you collect $4,000 a month in rents, and then mm-hmm. you turn around and you pay $2,500 in a mortgage, let's say $400 in property management, set another 400 aside for whatever maintenance expenses you might have. And, and then you're left with Mess myself up here, but let's say about 750 a month. Yeah. Multiply that yeah. 750 a month times 12, right? And that's what, eight, nine thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. right? 750 times 12 is nine thousand dollars. And so that's nine thousand in positive cash flow. Right. But if you're able to depreciate the value of the asset, and if we're talking two to let's say a one to four unit building. Mm-hmm. What depreciation schedule is that on? Is that 27 and a half years? 27 and a half years for residential, yeah. Explain to me what that means and why it's 27 and a half years. Yeah, so what what the code, the IRS, the code, the people who, the smart people created these laws, they typically will depreciate a property based on its useful life. And they came up with the idea, you know, if you have a residential property, useful life for residential properties, 27 and a half years, they probably ran a lot of calculation to determine that on the useful life there. So they, you take that piece of real estate, you take the basis, okay, the basis of that real estate, and you take it depreciation every year over that 27.5 years. Would you explain what basis means to our listeners, please? Sure. So when we're talking about basis, we talk about, you know, what essentially what did you put up to purchase that property? Okay. Probably similar to, let's say you you purchased a property, you put in additional work renovations into the property. That's also a considerable part add to your basis. So your purchase price plus any addition that you put into your property, that's your basis to begin with. Okay. Is that yes? That's absolutely okay. Great. So you have twenty-seven point five years there for residential and thirty-nine years for a commercial building. Okay, so a little bit more years for commercial because they they probably last longer. Okay. Now one one other interesting thing, Robert, about real estate that a lot of people don't take into account is the ability to take a piece, the different pieces in a real estate and depreciate them separately. Explain what that means. Yeah. So there is this thing called cost segregation. Okay. So the whole idea is a piece of real estate is made up of a couple different pieces. So you have the actual building, you may have fixtures, pavements, fixtures in the home, fencing, right? All of that you can separate and they all have different depreciation rates. So the main piece of that property is probably depreciated over 27.5 years. Okay. So that's normal. But let's say 20% of that basis is can be depreciated over five years. So now you accelerate your depreciation. You can get an accelerated depreciation over five years and not 27.5 years, 
today. Now, how great would that be? Because guess what? Your depreciation increases, the losses increases on your taxes, and the benefit is you can use that to reduce ordinary income. What happens at the end of that five years or the 27.5 years? Yeah, yeah. So let's say you have a property for 27.5 years that that now you've completely depreciated your property. You can't take any depreciation after that. Okay. So you've pretty much brought your basis to zero because how depreciation works is every time you depreciate that property, you're taking away a piece of the basis. So when you go to sell that property, you're, you're not going to have any basis. So it's going to be your selling price minus zero because you don't have any basis, right? The good thing about that is, you know, hopefully you've been able to take a lot of those losses offset, offset a lot of your income, okay? Any loss that you, you were not able to take because of some specific rule in the code, you can use that when you sell the property to reduce that gain. Okay. Explain what depreciation recapture is. Yeah, sure. So depreciation recapture is basically the IRS saying, you know, we allowed you to take depreciation on this property for X amount of years. So we're going to need to tax you on that, that, that depreciation that you've taken. But even when you look at that tax, it's the, the benefit still outweighs, you know, that cost of taxes that you're paying on that gain. So, you know, I know a lot of people would be like, well, I'm still going to have to pay that, you know, recapture, right? Well, the benefit still outweighs that, that tax that you would have to pay. Right. I've been asking some pretty pointed questions because I want to illustrate the point. We've had several clients who are cheap and they don't want to pay a CPA to do their taxes. Give me a ballpark idea. If you had a client who came in and they wanted they wanted you to run their taxes for them, can you give a ballpark of what it costs to have you prepare taxes for, let's say, a married couple on W-2s and they have one or two investment properties? Married couple. Sorry, I'm thinking about my our pricing schedule in my head. <laughs> investment properties, W-2, that probably, so that's two Schedule E's, that's probably going to be 1500 around there. Yeah, I pay pay about 1500 to 2000 for my 1040 each year. And then we've got our our different schedules for the different companies that we own. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So around there would be the base, I would Okay, so somebody somebody comes to you and they say, I don't want to spend the $1,500. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Sure. So what we look at and across all the services that we offer in our, in our firm right now is we're, we're looking at value, right? So we're not, we, we hardly just take a client just for tax prep nowadays because, you know, you can go anywhere and get a tax prep prep down, down the road, you know, the, the thing is one, you know, w- what do they give you if they prepare your tax return? 
they never see you leading up to that point. They never see you after that point until the next year, right? There's no true value in that relationship. So we try to create that value. And that's why in a lot of our tax preparation engagement, we offer something a little bit more. We offer the opportunity for our clients to meet with us quarterly to do quarterly maintenance. And we also offer some light tax planning in that too. We have clients that come to us for lighter tax planning and we have clients that are more on the higher side of tax planning, which may include wealth, wealth planning too. So, you know, what that looks like is we're going to get an understanding from you on the wealth side, like what are your goals? You know, are you applying to properties per year? What are you doing? And then we look at, okay, what can we tell these clients that they wouldn't already know that could save them money or put money back in their pockets so that at the end of the year, you don't have to cash flow this money to pay the IRS. And we put a number in front of the client and say, this is what we can save you based on what your, your plan is, right? So then we're showing them what, you know, what the impact of us working with them is. If they start thinking ROI, same like in real estate, you know, you're thinking, you know, what I'm cash in cash, what am I going to get if I put in X in a property, right? What am I going to get out of it? Same thing with us. We think about what the value we're adding to the client, what's the return the client is going to get. So if the client spends, I don't know, four grand on our services, but we're going to save them 30 grand on their taxes, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's hard to say no to that, right? Right. So that's how we we typically look at that. We'll I love it. Perspective. Hey, let me ask you this. Folks who are listening to this podcast are in multiple states. Where are you located, Romeo? So I am I am in Texas. Okay. Okay. But we oh go ahead. Oh, are you able to give tax advice to folks in New York or folks in Washington or folks in California? If if people are listening to this from, from many different places, are you able to, to give them tax advice or do they need to work with a local CPA? Great question, Robert. So we have clients all over the country right now, and our services are, are broken up into tax planning, which is more consultation on taxes. You don't need to be in a specific ta- state or have a specific license in the state to give that advice. Now, we have an enrolled agent on staff, and an enrolled agent can prepare your tax return. So preparation, some state will have specific things that they want their tax preparer to have. And the IRS says, you know, our enrolled agent can work in any state, but CPAs can only, you know, do CPA things in the state that they are certified in, right? So our enrolled agent makes sure that from a compliance perspective with the IRS, we're covered through all states, but from an advice and consultation perspective, we can consult and that's what tax planning is through any other states. And we have a wide network of, of professionals that we work with. And if there's something like estate planning that's specific to a state, we can always give out recommendations there. Cool. Tax planning isn't just, hey, let's sit down and figure out how to save you money here. It's it's big picture, right? And, and as folks start to grow their worth, their their net worth isn't just going to be tied to their W-2. They're going to have all kinds of investments. They're going to have a 401k. They're going to have an IRA. They're going to have probably a stock portfolio. They're probably going to own some real estate. They're, they might even put some money in a crypto. Mm-hmm. At times, it could seem daunting 
trying to figure out all these moving parts. What tips, tricks, tools, superpowers do you CPAs have to help folks as everybody wants to be rich, but as they're starting to figure out how to navigate this, how's your process work? Yeah, definitely. So we, when we're looking at a specific individual in, or investor, we divide their, their portfolio into different pieces when we look at planning for them. We're looking at what are your passive income generators, so the, the activities that you don't materially participate in, which could include syndication, real estate, you know, real estate, Maybe you have Airbnb rentals, renewable energy investments, oil and gas, private equity funds, or you have some passive business that your friend owns that you invest in. So that's 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 you being an investor. So leave that there. Now we look, maybe you have some retirement account, some you do paper trading, you have crypto. Okay. So that's another piece. Then we have your businesses. Maybe you're, you're, you actively own an S-corp and you're operating it. Then we have your earned income. That's your earned income. So we put that with your W-2 because you're actively participating in that. So we look at our clients and say, all right, what are the opportunities in these different asset classes and these different categories where we can net certain type of income with certain passive activity losses, such as real estate, which we mentioned earlier with depreciation? How can we net it on one side? When you sell a piece of asset on anywhere on this whole chart that I'm referring to, how does that impact your life in general, right? How can we minimize taxes to the level where we start helping you decide when to sell a piece of holding that you have or when to hold on to it at what point, right? So it's important that we get that whole picture, different assets classes, different you know, income types, and then what you're doing on the earned income side. So that's pretty much how we do it. We lay it out. We have, I'm a visual person. So I typically will draw different entities and where people are, and we'll strategize from there, right? I roll my sleeve up and, and we get down to business. Love it. Love it. Let's take a, a moment to look at the dark side of the tax world. And that is a lot of folks like to try to, to cheat and or hide assets or, or not necessarily report everything. And, and of course, the big concern is that you get audited someday. And I've been audited by the IRS twice in my career. First time kind of scared me. The second time I was like, oh boy, this is, you know, whatever. It's just a waste of time. And, and so this is going to be a two-part question. I personally found that an audit was not that scary, nor was it that big of a deal. But what would you tell somebody who is facing an audit from the IRS? And then the second part is, what would you tell somebody who came to you and said, well, I, I don't really want to claim all of my income? How would, you, how would you navigate those? Yeah. If you're facing an audit, go talk to a professional. You don't want to be talking to the IRS. They can use anything you say against you. And if you don't have the experience and the nuts and bolts of knowing how those guys work, you know, they, they, they're going to look out for the IRS. They're not looking out for you. So my first advice would be to get someone who can negotiate on your behalf, try to get you the best outcome because there are, you know, different outcomes out there that can be favorable that you wouldn't know are available to you. 
Okay. The, the next piece is don't tell me you're not reporting income. <laughs> just don't. We, we're not, you know, we're not going to work with any clients that want to do things in an unethical way. For me, on the, the IRS is pretty clear. I'm not going to prison for anybody. <laughs> you know, sure not going to prison for anybody. So, you know, what we're told as tax professionals by the, the law is, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to rely on what the client gives us. OK, but if something seems fishy, right. You know, we're, we're, we're not supposed to just take it and run with it. Okay, Robert. Yep. So y- you can't come and say, you know, tell us one, at one point you have a bunch of real estate and then a, another point you tell us you have no income to show or right. no schedule. You know, it, it, we that's red flags for us. So it's important that you're truthful. If from, from a deduction perspective, if you don't have the documentation, you don't have the deduction. So I tell all my clients, keep your receipts. If And you've been through an audit before, Robert. If you had your receipts in a nice folder, everything in, in the nice place, and you provide it to an agent, they're backing off. They, they're like, this guy has it together, right? However, if, you, if you're like, let me go find that, you take days to reply to them, and they're, that, that's raising smoke. To them, and they're like they're gonna <laughs> try to go other places and try to sniff around, right? However, if you come organized and you have all your receipts in place, and that's what I tell my clients: how can we set you up so you're you you know you, you're you're defending yourself already even before an audit audit starts? So we're preparing you because we do take a lot of positions with our clients that are, would be considered aggressive, but our documentation are always there for. The day that the IRS comes, we say, here's everything we have. This is the documentation, you know, help yourself. So we're not doing anything in any unethical way. We have our documentation. Yeah, I asked that question because we we get some people that like to get a little creative and colorful in, the, in discussions. And I did mention I've been audited twice. The first time was a non-event. The second time... The IRS disallowed three hundred and like forty dollars in in write offs mm. for for dry cleaning, and I was wearing a suit uh-huh. every day. And and I, uh, my my CPA said, "Hey, let's throw it on there," and they disallowed it. And my my total adjustment to my tax owed was zero dollars. And so I share that because there are a lot of folks that think that you have to cut corners. They read articles about. Apple not paying any income tax to the U.S. or or something like that. And they say, well, I shouldn't have to pay any income tax either. Well, okay, let's get real. If you do good tax planning and if you're honest and ethical about it, you're organized, you don't have anything to worry about, right? Exactly. Exactly. At the beginning of this conversation, Robert, you you said for your clients, it's not how do you make money just right now and that's it? Right. You look on you look at a big picture, and you, you you create wealth that will stay here and you want to maintain, you want to pass to your kids, your kids, kids. Right. That That's all that we want to achieve. And same with planning. Right. Planning may not give you all the results today, but if you stick with the process, you know, that's how you, you're going to create wealth. And if you cut corners and, you know, you know, if you cut corners and you try to do things unethically, 
it can catch up to you one day and all of a sudden you lose all of it just because you decided to cut corners. Right. So our focus is on building long-term wealth and cash flow. And the best way to do that is with a good tax strategy with somebody like Romeo. Romeo, what's the name of your company? Agile Tech Accounting. We are located in Austin, Texas. Okay. And how do people contact you? Yes. So you can contact me by sending me an email at rc at Agile Tech Accounting. You can also visit my website at agiletechaccounting.com. A-G-I-L-E, tech like technology, accounting.com. And Robert, I believe, will provide some information when this releases. Yeah, we'll put all all that in the show notes here so that people know how to get in touch with you. This is interesting. I, I can envision that we will have some really good ask the CPA questions starting to come in. So Romeo, I might be a little presumptive in saying this, but uh, would you be open to coming back on a future episode and, and letting us throw some questions from the audience at you? I would love to do that. I would love to do that. It would be great to come back on at any point, Robert. My understanding is that you have a offer for the folks who are listening to this episode. What is that? Yes. So if you're, if you're, if you're listening to this show and you want to take that next step in, you know, in building your wealth, but you also want to make sure that it's tax efficient and that you're saving as much on taxes to reinvest into your, your wealth. I am offering a free session, free strategy session, anywhere from 30 minutes to one hour. And Robert will provide the details on that in the show notes so that you can schedule your free call if you're listening to this session. Awesome. Romeo, I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. And we're going to put out a question to the audience. What do you want to know from Romeo? And uh, drop us a line on the show's website or uh, drop Romeo a line. And we're going to come back on a future episode and start addressing those questions in real time. Romeo, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Robert. Love to be in here. And for those of you listening at home, if you want to learn more about this or some of the other resources that we have available for you, go to cashflowassets.com and sign up for one of our free webinars or events, or go to blackwellworkshop.com and you can get access to all of our resources that we have there for you. Thanks for listening. We look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you for listening to Cashflow Assets with Robert Slattery. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. To register for a free Cashflow Assets webinar, go to cashflowassets.com. Go check out the additional assets and resources that we have for you at blackwellworkshop.com.